Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Last week we talked about special education advocates and what we talked about was when might you need to hire an advocate? What's that look like? When is the right time to hire a special education advocate or a special education attorney? This week, we are going to talk about what those people do. What does a special education advocate do? Maybe that'll help you make the decision about whether or not it's right to hire an advocate. Before we do that, I want to remind you that registration is open now for my ABC course, Advocacy, Business, and Concepts in Special Education. This course will help you if you want to grow or start a business as a special education advocate. I have tons of people ask me in consultations all the time, Ashley, how do you do this? And I wanna tell you, I have been working on this course for years. It's been in my heart, it's been in my soul, it just wasn't coming to my mind. And in developing Ashley Barlow Company, this course came together because so many of you reached out and helped me with the information that you need. And so I have put together a course with four units that should teach you not only the concepts in special education that will help you to begin an advocacy practice, but also a lot of information on the business concepts and advocacy strategies. I hope you'll join me, pop over to my website to find out more information and to register. Now let's dive into today's podcast. We're talking about what a special education advocate does. And I have a handy dandy list. If you didn't watch last week and you're watching on YouTube, you will notice that I'm in my children's playroom in my basement um, because the best laid plans don't always work out. And so welcome to my playroom. The shuffleboard um, game is directly behind me. Okay, so let's talk about what special education advocates actually do. The first thing is that special education advocates really master the content. You know how last week we talked about how parents are supposed to be meaningful participants in IEP meetings and in the special education process, but there's that really legitimate learning curve well, special education advocates are tasked with the job of understanding the content. Now, I don't think there's an advocate in the world that knows everything. I don't think there's a teacher or an administrator in the world that knows everything. But advocates have researched and have learned and have gone to conferences and read books and have a very strong foundation of knowledge about the content of special education the actual concepts. 
They might know teaching strategy. They might know tests that are appropriate. They might know a ton about transition planning. They might know all about eligibility, how to write a goal, what the perfect strategy would be to modify work for a particular child. All of that stuff is stuff that advocates can knock out of the ballpark without even really thinking. And so if you are super overwhelmed by the content of special education, well then you might need to find yourself an advocate who can take you on the tour of special education content or can just take the reins for you themselves. In addition to understanding the content in special education, advocates are very good at the advocacy and negotiation part of their jobs. And so what we understand is we can say things in several different ways. Some are very effective and some are not super effective. And so advocates and attorneys study and train so that they understand effective ways to communicate their clients' interests and positions. They study different information that they might want to put into their advocacy. They study different language that they can use. Heck, even the shape of the table at an IEP meeting can have an impact on the way that the meeting goes. Did you know that? Round tables are more effective in negotiation. It's proven, it's crazy. So advocates and attorneys are very well versed and very studied in advocacy and negotiation, in trying to get people to come to some kind of agreement or in convincing somebody else on behalf of their um, clients that their client's position is right. That's the second thing that advocates do. So we know the content and advocates also understand how to convey that content, convey their knowledge in a way that might make somebody else say yes. So what advocates actually do is they reframe your advocacy efforts, those that aren't working or those that are just frankly exhausting you, with their expertise. They're going to put their background of information into whatever you are trying to say. Remember how last week we talked about how you might want to hire an expert if you have reached impasse, if the conflict is so significant that you and the district just can't agree? Well, the advocate might come in and reframe something. They might bring in different interests, different perspectives, different objective information that will help you and the district navigate this impasse or this major conflict, this no, into something that might be, I like to say, yes-able, something that everybody might agree on as reasonable or yes-able, tolerable. And so the advocates do this in a way that involves kind of your interest and your perspectives and your principles. And also that big um, knowledge base that they have, that big chunk of objective content that they have studied. So not only do advocates 
actually advocate for us, but sometimes they act as a tour guide. And we talked about this last week. If you need a tour guide, your advocate can act as a tour guide. There's one particular area of family law that is very confusing. If you are a guardian or you are an adoptive parent or if you have fostered a child, you know how complicated that area of law is. I work in Kentucky and I also do some family law work. And in Kentucky, we call those dependency, neglect, and abuse cases. And those cases can be very nuanced to people that don't do them all the time. And if you are an aunt or a grandmother or a foster parent that has entered into the world of dependency, neglect, and abuse cases, you can get sideswept into the fray very easily. And so particularly when I was a younger attorney, but still quite often now, I get phone calls from people that say, I don't understand this. I think it's all going okay, but they say words I don't understand, things happen that I don't understand, and I just wanna make sure that things are actually going well. And so I explain to people when they hire me in those kinds of cases that I'm really a tour guide. I'm gonna tell them where they've been, and I'm going to tell them where they're going to go, and I'm going to help them see the scenery as we go through the court case, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to walk them through it. And at least they know they have somebody knowledgeable that's taking them on the path. At least they have a docent that's taking them through the museum, or they have a Sherpa that's taking them up to the top of the mountain. You know, you probably wouldn't go up a mountain without somebody that is skilled and knowledgeable about that mountain and about hiking and about, I used a terrible example because I don't know much about this myself. I wouldn't go up the mountain to begin with, but I certainly wouldn't try unless I had a Sherpa that could tell me the important things. And you might feel like you are me in hiking. You might feel like you don't even know where to start in special education. Believe me, I have a lot of clients that come to me to use me as an attorney and they say, I don't even know where to start. But I know where to start because this is my job and I know how to get them to some place that looks like a starting button. And so I will help my clients in that tour guide capacity. Advocates do this quite often. I have friends that are advocates that have worked with the same family for years because the families just simply want the advocates involved from start to finish, or at least at those annual IEP meetings. This tour guide thing can be super duper powerful. Now, part of the tour guide process is keeping you organized. And believe me, it's so nice to have somebody to keep you accountable. This is kind of like when you wanna start working out or you wanna go to a new class or you wanna do something new and exercise and you know you're never gonna do it unless you have an accountability partner. So I used to go to a class at 6 a.m. And I knew I was not going to actually get out of bed when my alarm went off unless somebody else was at that class expecting me to be there. And so I convinced a neighbor to come to the class with me. You've done this. I know that you do it too. And so 
having an advocate or an attorney might give you some kind of accountability partner in order to keep you organized. Man alive is there a lot of information in special education. There's so much paperwork and you really sometimes don't even know if you should keep some of the stuff. So your advocate could help you to understand what you should keep, the importance of keeping that which you should keep, how to organize it, etc., etc. I can't tell you how often clients will call me and say, hey, do you have a copy of the IEP from 2019 where we blah, blah, blah? And of course, if I have it, I'll be happy to send it over because I like to try to keep them organized. And if I've got the document, I may as well send it over myself. Another thing that advocates can do for you is advocates can kind of work as the bad cop and that good cop, bad cop relationship. So last week we talked about how advocates might be able to help you preserve the relationships in, amongst your IEP team. Remember how it is so important to preserve relationships because relationships might be long-term. In your district, you might have the same special education director that comes to your meetings regardless of whether your, kid, your child is in kindergarten or in 12th grade. You might have the same meeting chair all the way through elementary school. You might have the same meeting chair all the way through your child's entire education. And so it's really important that we continue to work on those relationships. But sometimes you need somebody to say, um, excuse me, that's just not gonna work. You need somebody to face the conflict and to work through it. And if you're not good at that, if you don't like that, if you've tried it unsuccessfully, it might be time to have somebody that's a little bit more neutral come in and do that for you. And that is definitely something that advocates can do. Advocates can speak up and they can be the bad cops. You get to stay good cop. You get to stay the empathetic, concerned, um, subjective mom or dad or guardian. And the advocate gets to be the bad cop that says, excuse me, that's not going to work. And how can we work together in order to get this to something that is going to work for everybody? Now, sometimes the advocate gets to be the good cop. Lots of times my clients will be stuck at no. And I think Oh, well, actually, I see some opportunity for an agreement here. I see some opportunity for something good for the child. And so I will interrupt in a meeting and say, you know, maybe we could look at it this way. And I get to come in and be the good cop and really kind of educate my clients and the other people on the IEP team about how they are looking at something from a similar lens. So many times the district is really stuck in a position and the parents are really stuck in a position and I come in and with my advocacy hat on, with my mediator hat on, I see that their positions aren't really that far apart. And when I see that, I can say, oh, well, what about if we did it this way? This seems like something that you both will accept and it works. Doesn't always work, but sometimes it absolutely works. What else can advocates do for you? 
they can connect you to those experts that can be super helpful in your case. Now, I always think about things from the lens of an attorney. And so when I'm thinking about a special education case, I'm always thinking about what evidence I would need in order to prove that something is right or wrong. And the way that you do that in a court of law or in a due process hearing is you bring in some kind of paper documentation, some kind of um, tangible thing that you can look at. It might be a report or some other piece of physical evidence. Or you bring in the testimony from a person. And that person can be either a lay witness, somebody that is, um, doesn't have any particular training or skill set, or it can be an expert witness. And so if I'm trying to prove that one particular teaching strategy is correct, or that one particular um, test for eligibility is correct, or that one particular educational placement is correct, then I need somebody that is trained and skilled in that area to testify to say, yes, this would have been the correct teaching strategy, or this is the correct placement option for this particular child. And so those experts are people that are oftentimes part of your advocate or attorney's network. So your advocate can connect you with people that could at some point be experts in your, your case. And even if you aren't going to go to due process or you aren't going to file any kind of lawsuit or complaint, you also might need those experts to come in to help you to advocate within the district, within the IEP setting. So you might need tutors or related service professionals like PTs, SLPs, OTs, you might need, um, let's see, who else? Uh, psychologists or people that can do independent educational evaluations, which we call IEEs. Um, schools that um, will accept students if we have to do alternate placement. Those kinds of people are in our network. If I've got an alternate placement case, I'm going to think about prior cases and think about schools that worked or schools that didn't work, but schools that I connected with on a different child. And then I'm gonna call the people in admissions and say, hey, remember when I had this child? Well, now I've got another child that needs alternate placement and, you know, and then we can continue the conversation. So advocates and attorneys have those relationships, they have those experiences to connect you with other people that can build into your case. And in some places, advocates can actually work on something that looks a little bit more legal. Now remember, advocates cannot practice law. The only people that can practice law are people that are licensed or barred in a particular state. I am licensed in Kentucky and Ohio, and if I were to try to practice law in some other state, it would be the unauthorized practice of law, which is a crime in most or some states. I don't know if it's most states, but at least some states. And I certainly don't wanna commit a crime, so I'm not gonna do that, and advocates don't wanna do it either. But some states do allow advocates to file some complaints. So in some states, advocates can actually take clients to a due process hearing and they can represent their clients in a due process hearing. In some states, advocates can file Office of Civil Rights complaints and that might be because of some kind of discrimination that's occurred. 
or state complaints. And so advocates can help clients navigate the complaint process as well. Now, in addition to that, of course, advocates also are running their advocacy business. And that's one of the reasons that I started the ABC course, Advocacy Business and Concepts in Special Education, because I really want to support new and established advocates in all aspects of their business. I want to support them on the business side, on the advocacy and negotiation side, and in those concepts in special education. So those are some things that advocates do. I hope that's helpful for you. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about why you might need a special education advocate. And next week, we will continue on in this series and we'll wrap it up. I'll see you next week, same time, same place for another episode.